We need to talk about Six of Crows. Welcome to Out the Reading Slump, a book review podcast where I try to give spoiler-free summaries, initial thoughts, and deep-dive opinions on books that I have read to get out of my reading slump. If your to-be-read books are piling up, or maybe you're having a hard time to finish a title, you've come to the right place. I'm Jilly, and join me in my reading journey. Let's inspire each other to grab a book instead of our phones and scroll pages instead of our screens, except when it's an ebook. Enjoy today's episode! Hello, everyone! Welcome back to another episode of Out the Reading Slump. My name is Jilly, and today I'm so excited to talk about one of the recent books that I have just finished. It's a fantasy novel, and as you may have seen in the title of this episode, I know that you know what's coming. So, let's start. Let's talk about Six of Crows by Lee Berdugo. The story is built on a fantasy place called Ketterdam, a bustling hub of international trade where anything can be had for the right price. And no one knows that better than the criminal prodigy, Kaz Brecker. Kaz is offered the chance at a deadly and impossible heist that can make him rich beyond his wildest dreams. But he can't pull it off alone, and so he assembles his crew. There's six of them, obviously. There's a convict with a thirst for revenge, a sharpshooter who can't walk away from a wager, a runaway rich kid with a privileged past, a spy known as the Wraith, a heart render using her magic to survive the slums, a thief with a gift for unlikely escapes. Kaz's crew is the only thing that might stand between the world and destruction, if they don't kill each other first. It's a setup of a quote-unquote ragtag crew with an impossible odds. Yes, this is a heist story, but not your typical one. This book is a duology, with the second book, called The Crooked Kingdom, and it has definitely built a wide fan base online. The fantasy world that the author created is the world of Grishas, hence it's called the Grishaverse. And guess what? This has a rating of 4.5 on Goodreads, which is really high, and I've only seen the ratings after I finished the book and searched for it online. I didn't honestly know that this book is such a big deal. Now let's talk about the author first. Lee Bardugo is the number one New York Times bestselling author of fantasy novels and the creator of The Grishaverse, which is actually now a Netflix original series. The Netflix series spans the Shadow and Bone trilogy, her work, and then she also did this Six of Crows duology, and the King of Scars duology, and the Language of Thorns. So those are her works, with more to come. So her short stories can be found in multiple anthologies, including the best American science fiction and fantasy. Her other works include Wonder Woman, Warbringer, and Ninth House. The Ninth House book, I've seen this... Uh, before. Well, I've been seeing it a lot on Bookstagram. Apparently, it also won the Goodreads Choice winner for Best Fantasy in 2019. Very interesting. I will definitely add that to my to-be-read pile. 
And oh, the ninth house is also being developed for television by Amazon Studios. Lee Bardugo currently lives in Los Angeles. The Shadow and Bone book was adapted into a Netflix series. And as of this moment, it was renewed for season 2, which will be adapting the second book in the trilogy, which is Siege and Storm. And I've also heard that it's also pretty much of a big deal, not to mention the high ratings of the show. I've searched for it and it I think it was 80% plus in Rotten Tomatoes. And we're not here to talk about that. Let's talk about the impressions first. So I wanted to get this out of the way. It has been ages since I read and followed a fantasy world, like literally six or seven years ago. The last one being Cassie Clare's work, if you're familiar with her. So I wanted to shout out to all my co-90s kids who were fans of the Shadow Hunters and the Infernal Devices. Hello. So it's safe to say that I am not really a fantasy reader anymore. So when I picked this book up last year in September, yes, that was the first attempt. First few chapters in and I'm so overwhelmed and bombarded with new unfamiliar words and the pacing was so slow that i had to put it down and move on to another title or else i'm going to be on a reading slump again it's a lot that i tend to confuse the name of the characters into the name of the place in the book so i wanted to shout out my bae lorraine who lent me this book without even reading it because she felt the same. She felt like it was so unbearable, the first few chapters, and she didn't push through with it. But now, look at me. So, I picked this one up again after I read Normal People. Um, I picked this one up last week, and I plowed through the unbearable first hundred pages. I literally took down notes like, what's a corporal key inferni squalors fabricators like every time i encounter new settings and territories that briefly explain what they are i'm just like what the f is a shoe what's a tide maker material key i only know dothraki <laughs> i'm just kidding but yes i am so glad that i still endured those hundred pages because it's worth it you know what, I didn't even expect to like it because it was a fantasy and there's so much hype about it and I'm the type who goes very doubtful when something's hugely hyped. And now I understand. <laughs> the first part of the book centers on establishing the character of Kaz Brecker. Kaz Brecker is a part of the Dregs. The Dregs are the gang of thieves that operate in Ketterdam. So Kaz is their gang leader who is also one of the notorious operators of the Crow Club. The Crow Club is the infamous gambling hall in the dangerous parts and alleys of Ketterdam. So, well, it has been established that he's a dangerous man and it was heavily narrated in the book and honestly, the part where the book introduces us to his wit and devious characteristic the way he's always a few steps ahead of his enemies it blatantly reminds me of thomas shelby of the peaky blinders so technically if you if you compare it the dregs are like the peaky blinders of ketterdam and kaz is their tommy shelby 
If you who are familiar with the series, you know better than to mess with the Peaky Blinders. So, Kaz was offered an impossible heist with a huge amount of money as a reward that he couldn't resist. And the story starts to pace up as he assembles and completes his crew for the heist, which will be the main characters of this book. So, what they have to do first is they must break into a heavily guarded prison and smuggle a convict out. And then with the help of that convict, they will attempt to break into the ice court, a place that has never been breached. So the ice court is a military stronghold and it's kind of the seat of nobility of the Fierda, one of the main cities in the Grisha verse. The ice court contains a high security prison, the embassy, and the royal palace and the treasury. You can think of it as King's Landing in Game of Thrones, which is technically the capital. So they have to break through the ice court. And if they completed the heist, they will get their hands on a lot of money. The use of third-person narration is so effective. There's an alternating point of view from the characters in every chapter. And each characters have their own dark past, internal conflicts, personal agendas, and reason as to why they agreed to something that has no guarantee that they'll come back alive. This book is fast-paced, except for the first half, of course, where you'll have to adapt and acclimate with the new world. But it has a lot of moving parts and stories that you'll have to follow, which makes it action-packed. You know, there's a heist going on, there's a prison break, there are some heavy important flashbacks. And one thing I loved about the book is that there's no main character at all. There's no chosen one or no central character. Each of the crows are just as important as their leader, Kaz. One thing that I also love about this is the, the dialogues. The dialogues are just so good. It's witty and cunning and I can easily imagine this being the same script that should be used if ever this is going to be adopted into a movie or a series. It's, it will definitely be a smooth script. And the banters of the characters are one of the things that work for me. There's undeniable humor in those banters that I find myself chuckling at whenever I, I'm reading those parts. I also love how the author writes visually heavy scenes and how I, I as reader, didn't have any difficulty imagining them. Now, Kaz is the type of leader who doesn't like laying out all his cards in front of the team. There's always a secret hand, an alternative scheme that's all plotted out, which he doesn't always mention to his team so that it will work smoothly. And I kind of like that. It really sounds like he's Thomas Shelby. And the alternating character perspective in every chapter serves like a window for you to peek into the character's personal lives what they think of the other characters their internal struggles their past and etc and Kaz Brecker has for me personally he has the grimmest darkest really traumatic past and when i read about the part of his childhood why he always wear gloves and the reason why he couldn't bear touching other people it's so dark and traumatic that if his life is written in a memoir 
it would definitely break hearts but at the same time it will leave you traumatized as well now the book is divided into six parts it kind of works like a division on whose storyline and which issue it is going to center heavily about like for example the first part which is the shadow business it centers on establishing Ketterdam, the credibility of the dregs and Kaz, the foreshadowing of the heist, and why it's important to be done, etc. And then there's there's this part that I really love. Uh, part 3 was titled Heartsick, and it centers heavily on Nina and Matthias, two of the crews of the heist. And... I think I should say that their story, aka their love story, is one of my favorites. I hate to admit it, but there's a lot of parts here that made me kilig, as to what they call in our language. So just the background, Nina is a Grisha. So their kind is like the master of science that makes them do magical things. To put it simply, they have powers. And then Matthias is a human and their kind is against the existence of Grishas. Um, they believe that Grishas shouldn't be existing in the first place because their powers are dangerous and that of a witch. So they view the Grishas as witches and they also believe that they cause imbalance in the world. So Matthias's kind, they have hunters. He himself is a hunter with the purpose of killing Grishas. So, you see the conflict there? And their story, the heartsick part especially, specifically, it reminded me that I am so much into enemies to lovers trope. So, yes, that's something that you might want to look forward to if you are um, a sucker for love stories in a difficult setting. And I also wanted to mention that there, aside from Nina and Matthias, maybe they're just my favorite, but there are other romantic interests that are subtly hinted. Well, not subtly. Okay, I won't call it subtle then. But there are romantic interests that you might want to look forward to, especially if you are into a love story or romance that are set up in a very difficult situation so yes i loved how it was weaved into the book or into the story perfectly and i admit it's kind of predictable but still it it's good the way the author wrote it it's really good another thing that i also like are the tiny details that the author doesn't fail to include in order for the readers to truly have you know have a definite impression of the character's personality like for example jesper he's one of the crows he's often described as twitchy always in constant movement he couldn't bear being still and doing nothing not to mention his gambling addiction and if you think about it, I think it's being implied that he has um, ADHD or some kind of a mental disorder. Or it can either be just his quote-unquote sickness from not using his... Okay, that's a spoiler. Okay, I'm gonna stop. But um, yes, those tiny details. I'm here for it and I love it. Now, another comment is their age 
Six of Crows can honestly pass as an adult fantasy for me, and I'm pretty sure the only thing that's keeping this under the young adult section are the characters' age. They're all just below 18 or 18, and in my head, they're older, not to mention their abilities and the skills that they have. That's why when I learned about the casting of the Crows in the adaptation, it's all perfect because the actors are older but yeah in my head they're older i couldn't wrap my head around the thought that uh the the main characters are just teenagers but then if you think about it Arya stark was only 18 by the end of the game of thrones season so not impossible but still unconvincing for me now there's also a lot of driving force for each of the characters in the book. I love the depth of each of, of each one of them. The author allowed us to see their extremely badass, wicked personality, but at the same time, their weaknesses. One last that I noticed is that I expected more from Wyland's character, though. Among the Six of the Crows... His story has the least exposure or the least depth or explanation. He also has the... I am not sure if he even has a chapter wherein it's his perspective that's playing. I can't remember, but I remember that his character lacks the connection that I am looking for. I kind of just expected more from someone that plays a major role in the heist. So there's that, but I do hope he gets, I get to know him better in the second book. Maybe, I don't know if you have read it, but maybe he's gonna have more exposure there. But yes, that's one comment that I have to also mention. It honestly kind of feels like his character was disregarded in the entire book. It's like he's just a supporting character and not one of the main ones. I love how badass Inez's character was made. One line that really resonates with me is the Suli saying. It goes like this. The heart is an arrow. It demands aim to land true. And now it meaning you'd have to know where you want to go before you get there. And I also love this one part wherein um, Kaz finally get her to join the dregs they they have this one conversation wherein kaz said you may still die in the dregs and then inez's dark eyes had glinted i may but i'll die on my feet with a knife in my hand yeah girl anyways let's move on to the final thoughts and who i think should read it so all in all six of crows is so cinematic it's like a movie or a series playing in my head it's a heist story without any really big gaps in logic and timing which is very common in heist movies and it doesn't feel rush either and the entire reading experience for me was was good in a sense that i will give this apparently i will give this a four star rating um if you are if you are into fantasies, you definitely should not be sitting on this. 
you have to read it but if you're like me who's into adult fiction or non-fiction reads who's never really a big fantasy reader i would still recommend for you to try it and it might be the way for you to enter the fantasy world again you know and i have to say that i will definitely move on to the crooked kingdom but not right after this book it's it's like as i mentioned i'm not a fantasy reader anymore and i have to have a breaker after all the things that i have just absorbed you know what last night i actually dreamt of some of the parts of this book because it was too much in a good sense so i think the next book that i will be picking up will not be a fantasy i have to have a breaker from fantasy first but i will definitely read the second book which is crooked kingdom so yeah i hope i i helped you decide of whether you're you're gonna have to pick it up or not if you're gonna ask me if it's worth the hype i would say yes but i would also say that if i read this back in college or high school i would enjoy it better that i might be gushing about it so much unlike now from a 20 something point of view i don't know i i know it's the age doesn't matter when it comes to the type of genres that you read but yeah from my personal point of view if i read this before like in my younger ages i would enjoy it more but still i did enjoy it and i recommend it so yep go ahead oh and one thing i'm not sure though is i if i am going to read the shadow and bone trilogy because um it already has a series in netflix so i might just watch it and i'm fully content with the duology as for now but we'll see we'll see but for now, I really plan on watching the series first instead of re reading the trilogy. And I wanted to thank you for being with me in this episode again. Let me know your thoughts if you have any questions or if you wanted to recommend me a title that you wanted to hear in this podcast. I have my Instagram and my Gmail in the description of this show. You can give me a follow. We can have a discussion. And my instagram account that was linked here is actually i made it into a bookstagram account so there's that i fully dedicated now on the titles that i will be reading that i am reading so if you wanted to have a discussion and send me a message there feel free so thank you for listening to out the reading slump i'll see you on the next episode have a great day bye